Chapter 23, Starfire 69 Teo, we're positioned on 99B, still waiting for the signal. Tell Marsden we'll let him know when it's safe. Cam, I'm sure Silas will appreciate it. Are you ready to move? Getting there. It never gets any easier. If it's hard for you, how can we expect Kilhaven to deal with it? That exorcism today was for the both of us. He shares what he feels. And what was he feeling? Relief. Palpable relief at the thought of dying free of the Warp Witch's grasp. We're a bunch of feathers for using him like this. Cam, he knows, doesn't he? As if he's got some precog abilities. Perhaps. He seems sure of his fate. If the Fethenauger scans finally ping, we'll know the truth. In the meantime, I'd feel better if a second Astartes squad was en route to Ground Zero right now. What do you know? Nothing, but I've got a bad feeling. Silas wants to know if you need him to hold your hand. Tell him to keep his hand off the trigger and give us a chance to handle things. We all know that you can handle a demon host. Lock it down and let the Astartes finish. Teo, I'm picking up warp fluctuations in the Underhive. Threat level Delta, please confirm. August scans are seeing it too. Strength is wavering from Gamma to Epsilon. Coordinates are locked and loaded. You are ordered to engage. The Kitchen Club was having a banner night. I sat between List and Bree, pinned in place while Stevie performed for a packed room. She said it helped her relax, and I was ready to float up a fiery pole with her after a surprisingly cold reception by the Holland siblings. I was nervously awaiting the arrival of Luna. The situation might warrant her protection a tad earlier than expected. List, what's up with Bree? I said. That was my second mistake, maybe my third for the day. It didn't bode well for the rest of the night. List, for his part, was cranky due to the lack of a cocktail or four. She saw the video. She's still upset about that? It happened months ago. I flinched as Bree slapped the table in front of her. Today's video, the one from Watersheds. Feth. The fates were nothing if not a conniving, jealous, backstabbing crew. By now, every member in Sub-Zero would have seen their boss locking lips with a member of the Adeptus Arbitus. What was she wearing? Said Bree. I didn't know. I hadn't even thought to notice. A Hellgun, Adeptus Arbitus edition. A Lays gun with a touch more kick than yours. You kissed her back? Yes, I really liked her weapon and she offered to trade for it. You don't like mine. Those Hell Pistols? I don't think I can afford either of them, but I'd be glad to give you a down payment. I was right about her. You were. I'm sorry for everything. After tonight, you and Evan will do whatever it takes to survive. If I say bug out, you both go. Get out of the Underhive and out of Hydra Secundus until things settle down or you hear from me. The whole hive could come down tonight if our plan turns sour. List had been paying attention. It's not merely a witch, is it? No, it's far worse. The Baron is a fool. I caught Bree's chin and gently turned her head to look at me. Tell me you don't owe Redwine anything. I did, but not anymore. We both knew how debts were paid in Sub-Zero. I leaned in and kissed her slowly on the mouth and again on her neck. I whispered in Bree's ear, call us even. List was thoroughly spooked by my melancholy mood. Do you think Lalo will cause us any trouble? Lalo's always been trouble. Give me a minute. I put my head on Bree's shoulder and flew away downward. I passed through the pit again. It had been free of new donations earlier in the evening, but it sparkled now. Either Lalo had found religion, or he was further polishing the trap. I ghosted through the club room and the usual crowd before circling back toward the passage down into the Baron's estate. The warden's underhive patrols seemed to have halted for the night, 
and I found that even less inviting. My eyes snapped open. Luna Rayner sat across the table, staring at Bree and me. I didn't know you two were sleeping together. I wiped the drool from the side of my lip. Did you bring my gun? Luna adjusted her Hellgun strap and tapped the charge meter, showing off a full load. Luna didn't carry auxiliary charge packs beneath her jacket like Bree, but the Arbiters had modified the embedded power source, allowing them to overload it. The weapon was a shorter, hot-shotted version of an Imperial Guard laser gun. It did twice as much damage and could punch through plascrete or even modest layers of polysteel, but only offered half as many shots on a full charge. It would stop a warden in their tracks. Luna is my bodyguard. She will kill any fate, warden, or wayward crate of Starfire 69 that threatens me. Lady Hawn is another potential target, but I'm not sure how effective your gun will be against it. Go for sure kills first. I waited for Luna's agreement, and I got the feeling she'd spoken to Lord Rayner before joining us. There was nothing but fear and determination in her eyes. Stevie, you have one job of utmost importance. You will carry in a crate of Starfire, and it will be heavy, so you will leave it right inside the door to the Baron's Hall. When the party starts, it's your job to cook it off. Nobody here will help you with it. Once you've succeeded and the doorway is clear, you will get the feth out of Hydra Secundus for the night. Don't stop for a drink. Don't look back. Got it? Stevie seemed eager to get this over with. Get the feth out and don't look back. Got it. What about us? List, you and Bree are the party's entertainment. Remember, we're not there to kill the witch. We're there to throw a party. The witch is completely out of my league. If anyone sees me trying to go home with it, you may shoot me dead. Bree was still staring daggers at Luna. When you say witch, are you still talking about Lady Han? Yes. I hadn't let go of her hand. Whatever our connection had existed beyond the unsteadiness of my psyche. I allowed the constant feeling of isolation to bleed away, solidifying my resolve. I assumed the mantle of the silver fate for one more night. Luna examined the pallet drone and our stack of starfire crates. The drone had sensors to detect any tampering with its loads. It also had built-in video recording devices and a mapping function that would allow it to find its way home from any custom delivery. We'd left it parked inside Lalo's clubroom, and nothing had been touched. Lalo, where's my other knife? The Baron has claimed it. Did you do as I asked? Yes. Around the finely appointed room, fifty fates watched my every move. They were a screen and nothing more. I grabbed Lalo's wrist and pulled on his power. Why? Why what? Why did you discard your cache of power? Because you told me to. My grip extended into his head and I squeezed. Tell me the truth. Redwine ordered it. He's hedging his bets. Where is he? He's waiting for you in the temple hall below. Is it a trap? Yes. Lalo collapsed to the floor, as did almost every one of his fates. It was the safest place they could be. I'd taken my share of energy from each, and it danced in my head. I'd need it all before the night was over. A single fate, the only female among them, was left standing in the back of the room. She wore a color I didn't recognize, a poisonous mix of black and red, and seemed surprised to be left out of the fun. Who are you? I said, waving List away from the solitary fiend. I could feel its pull, like a neutron star or a black hole. Luna knew enough to take aim, as did Bree. I am called Atheon. I'm a rifter. I can open new doors for you into the Sea of Souls. Why are you here? I am a gift for you from Lady Han. 
She sees great things in your future and offers you the power to achieve it. Offering a potential rift in the veil that separates our reality and the immaterium, Atheon was the complete opposite of a warden. With unlimited access to warp energy, the silver fate would be unstoppable, and the night's outcome would be assured. A plasma bomb would be a toy in comparison. Nito, are there more of you here? No, I am unique in this domain. This wasn't a gift for the taking, but for the taken in. If anything, I was angry at the clumsy offer. There wasn't any balance to be had. I held out my hand, counting a dozen steps between us. Athi, I'm your man. If you can reach me before my bodyguards intervene, then we have a deal. It seemed confused by my proposition. I wasn't, and thankfully neither were Luna and Bree. As the new fate took the first step forward, its head exploded, and my left ear rang with the sonic assault of a hellgun tearing it apart. Bree on my right holstered her pistols. She'd held her fire, giving Luna a chance to prove herself. Luna lowered her weapon. What the feth was that? A warp creature wearing the body of a fate. It was a gift that would have ruined our friendship. Is that what we have? I didn't know how to answer that, especially with Bree standing right behind me, her charge packs humming a deeply familiar tune. I took a deep breath. It's time to meet the Baron. When we get to the meeting hall, everyone grabs a starfire crate off the pallet. Stevie gets the one on the bottom. I hope we've brought enough bottles for all the guests. We avoided using any lifts and followed a series of ramps into the Underhive's lowest level. The doors to the repurposed temple were wide open. I could see a healthy entourage waiting at the far end. It was time to crack open a bottle and celebrate. The pallet drone remained parked outside the door. Everyone except Stevie carried a crate forward to meet Oracle Redwine. Stevie's batch remained tucked inside to the left of the doorway, abandoned. The other cartons were placed in a row at the Baron's feet, in an offering of goodwill and poor taste. The Baron stood front and center wearing a confident smile. Behind him, a bruise of eight fates, mostly purples and yellows, waited to enforce his will. Redwine wasn't amused by my gift or the mixed message it provided. Lalo knows what I like. You could have asked him. I know what you like and she's taken. I'd claimed Bree without his permission and thought it best that the Baron knew it from the start. Bree seemed startled by my declaration. The Baron rolled with it, pointing at Luna. Who's she? My bodyguard. Several in the room may have caught on to the fact that Luna carried a hellgun of the Arbiter variety. The Red Baron certainly had. He held out his hand. If she belongs here, she'll greet me properly. The men standing behind him chuckled. Me first, I said. No, ladies first. We'll sort out our business in due time. Due time was about to arrive. I waved Luna forward and placed my hand on her shoulder. Luna, this is Baron Oracle Redwine, overseer of the Underhive. I could feel it when he opened the floodgates on the junior arbiter. He had her right hand clamped in both of his as the red energy surged. I squeezed her shoulder and intercepted the flow as it rolled up her arm, sending it into my glaive, miles above. Luna stepped back and shook out her hand as she was released. Already I could see the broken blood vessels and familiar discoloration around her knuckles. I'd made some mistakes today, but none were as ugly as the missteps of Redwine. He flaunted his dominance and tried to force fealty on those around him. Behind us, a dozen leather-clad wardens entered the room, guiding Lady Hahn. The honored guest had turned up to witness the proceedings. From the far end of the room, the warp witch looked haggard and angry, as if it had recently given birth and couldn't find the father. Good thing I'd brought a toast. 
I held out my hand, eager for another taste of the red. Baron Redwine, we have business to discuss and debts to pay. The Baron couldn't refuse, not in front of his henchman or Lady Hawn. He sought to assert himself during the handshake, but things didn't go his way. Banisher Stone's right this morning easily outshined the Baron's effort. I practiced converting the gush of red energy into a vibration that better matched the exorcism as I stored it away off-site. As the Baron made to let go, I held on and snapped my own silver volley in return. It was carefully measured and aimed straight at his mind. I grabbed his jacket, holding him steady as he swayed. Already dipping into the starfire? I chuckled and shoved him backward into the arms of his bodyguards. Business first. The Red Baron shook his head and slowly returned to his spot. What do you want? First my knife. I believe you took it from Lalo. It's mine now, Silver. By what right do you claim it? I claim it because I can. Redwine's view of the Underhive was outdated. Like I claimed Bree and List, I'll take the woman over the knife any day. Breezy as a whore. He spat. My fist connected before I realized that it had moved. The Red Baron flew backward into the arms of his men. Redwine would miss the party, but his eight henchmen decided to drink their share. They charged forward and seemed bent on going through me to reach the crates of Starfire 69. I bounced them like a pro. Being a two-time champion of fight night, I used all of my best moves to scratch, kick, dodge, and pull on every thread of energy they had. As a keyed-up silver, I made every touch a knockout, bolstering my energy even further for round three. Behind me, the bark of a hellgun announced the advance of the greys. One of the twelve lay sprawled in no man's land between our two parties. Ignoring the sizable hole in the middle of the dead man's chest, the witch stepped to the front of her group and called for the downed man. It only took a few seconds, and when the warden finally stood up, the hole in his chest was gone. He appeared as good as new. I yelled across the room, Lady Han, I haven't thanked you properly for the gift. Which? She replied. The Underhive. We must celebrate together. I reached down and grabbed a bottle of Starfire. Signaling Bree, I aimed for the middle of the Warp Witch's group with my throw. As the bottle spun, end over end, a laser bolt split it in half, raining a fiery cocktail across her party. The wardens cringed for a mere second and patted out any flames that might have landed in their hair. The witch seemed amused, and I counted our entertainment a success. Stevie, any luck? Our red-headed pyro shook her head and doubled her concentration. Null bubbles still guarded the group at the door. List, the bar is open. Make it count. Eleven more bottles followed my first in rapid succession. A barrage of firebursts and broken glass pelted the wardens. The harsh spirits of Starfire 69 burned hot enough to singe one's hair and blister the skin, but the alcohol burned off too quickly to do any significant damage. One bottle had come in low and caught a man square in the forehead, along with a bolt from Bree's Lay's pistol. The acolyte was slow in getting up. The rest of the greys continued to ride out the storm, and the witch enjoyed the show. With only four more crates in front of me, Lady Han seemed content to watch and wait. I know you're thinking great plan. I can see it in your eyes and feel it with my borrowed abilities. What you're forgetting is that Lady Han took over the underhive of Hydra Secundus using the exact same strategy. It strolled in, throwing around some serious hooch and impressing the locals with a raft of newfound abilities. The underhive holders didn't realize the witch carried the antidote to those powers in her back pocket. Not until it was too late. 
and missed the fact that Lady Han had far more sinister plans in the works. In the end, they were nothing more than a warm-up act for the main event. Liszt popped open the next crate and repeated his earlier performance. This one was half and half. The smiles on the far side of the room began to fade. Every Starfire bottle in the third crate was filled entirely with a substance simply known as jelly, as was the fourth and fifth. There was a far longer chemical name for the powerful accelerant that each bottle contained, and given the fact that it could melt polysteel, it was highly illegal in the confined spaces of Hydra Cluster. The Sub-Zero gangs kept it in stock for a rainy day. According to Sandara Laveau, finding a plasma bomb in one's backyard qualified as a change in the weather. List's throws were coming in lower and lower, keeping the wardens pinned back and dousing them with ever greater amounts of fiery pain. The smell of sizzling fatty flesh began to permeate the room, and I could see Lady Han struggling to heal her minions. As List reached into the last crate, Luna and Bree opened up on the group, allowing List's starfire bottles to land and shatter on the floor at the warden's feet. And that's when it happened. <laughs>